0: in Christ then we are people of the risen king. We're not people of a dead king, we're not people of a sleeping king. We are people of a risen king. And that that reality is so magnificent in and of itself. But throughout our Christian walks, we are going to have times where God is going to change us. He's going to transform us. He's going to show us ways that we are not honoring and glorifying him. And I've been asked, I'm sorry you can't really see me over there. But I've been asked to just share a little bit about how God has been changing me recently. My life And a passage of scripture that comes to mind is, is in Isaiah chapter 6. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And something that has been very impactful in my life recently and transforming me from something that is dishonoring to God to something that is honoring to God is having a larger view of who my God is. Meditating on who my God is, all the attributes. And I love these banners that you guys have up in here. It's just meditations on who Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. He's God with us, the Son of God, the King of Kings. He's the Savior of the world. And when we meditate on who God is in the magnificence of who he is, we are going to start to see us for who we are. If we have a small view of God, we're going to have a small view of our sin. If we have a large view of God, we're going to see the impact that the sin has on our lives. And the passage goes on, and it says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my, thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. The reality that I serve a risen king means that in the likeness of his resurrection, I can walk in a new life. And he proves that he has the power not only to, to heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, but he has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to show me the things that I'm doing that are wrong, that are against him. And he has the power to forgive me of them and to cleanse me from them. He is the only one who is worthy to do that because of the sacrificial lamb that was on that cross. He's the only one that is worthy of that sacrifice, that is worthy of my life, that is worthy of my confession, that is worthy, of, that is worthy to forgive me of my sins. And so this next song that the team is going to be singing is called worthy is the lamb and so in your hearts just meditate and worship god for who he is because he is the only one who is worthy to forgive us of the things that we have done wrong against him
1: Well, good evening.
2: Good to see you tonight. Good to be here um, in the house of Lord on a Tuesday night. I, I'm always messed up on my days. I'm really going to be messed up on my days this week. Uh, but uh, it's certainly good uh, to be here uh, with you, with the team. And uh, we're so thankful for um, them being here with us this week. And the Lord's really uh, really blessed us uh, with something that we 've needed i know i 've personally needed our churches needed and uh, so we 're so thankful for them thankful for you uh, many of you traveled uh, a long way, and uh, so we 're uh, thankful uh, that you 're here. I was kind of thinking through my head where uh, people have come from and uh, we 've uh, usually um, it 's it 's brother Scott miss Tamey that come all the way from Egypt. And uh, I used to listen. Listen, I used to say when I first came here, I'd say all the way to Egypt, all the way to Egypt. I'm thinking, you know, over in the Middle East, all the way to Egypt. And finally, somebody said, um, Pastor, there's an Egypt down the road. And uh, so, uh, but we've got them from Sylvania, Statesboro. I uh, got one of our missionaries, Miss uh here with us uh, uh, from Statesboro, uh, Florida. Uh, our friend, Miss Bonnie uh, from Florida. But I uh, believe, Julia, you're parents have us all be and uh, from Ohio uh Julia's parents are here and uh she's part of the team as well and so we're so thankful uh for everybody that's here all the visitors uh, uh thank you for being here with us and uh, we do count it an honor that you come uh and I promise you uh you will be blessed uh this evening. Uh we're going to go ahead uh ushers if you make your way uh we're going to go ahead and take up our offering. Oh, we've been taking up an offering. If you're just this, this first time you're visiting with us, uh, uh, we're taking up an offering. All the money that comes in uh, is going go, uh, to go um, to Encounter Revival Ministries. And um, if you will, if you plan on giving tonight, if you've not already done so and you'd like to do so, please grab an envelope and uh, put that uh, in the envelope. Check our, our money in the envelope and uh, in earmark ERM for us just so we know uh, that that's where we need to put it. And we certainly appreciate uh, uh, you giving uh, to a very uh, worthy cause, and uh, these young people uh, have already traveled in North Carolina for five weeks, actually eight weeks before that up north, and uh, then been in North Carolina for five weeks, in North Carolina area, uh, they kind of took a jot. Uh, down here to see us, and I'm so thankful that they did. Uh, Once they're done here, they'll go back to North Carolina for about another five weeks and and travel and um, uh, uh, preach the word, drama, sign language, music, and uh, Lord is really uh, uh, using these young people, cream of the crop, and so we're thankful to be able to have them uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank for this time that we could gather together. Lord, I thank you uh, for uh, Encounter Revival Ministries. Uh, thank you for uh, just using them uh, really all over the uh, United States, and we're so thankful for that, and I pray that you would strengthen them tonight, Lord, and I pray you would uh, uh, just uh, give us open ears and open hearts uh, to receive exactly what you'd have for us uh, uh, tonight through music and drama and all that's going to be done. I pray that you would uh, bless Brother Mark, give him uh, the power of your Holy Spirit as he preaches the word uh, tonight. And uh, may uh, you be exalted and lifted up, Lord, and may we be helped. We'll love you and thank you for it. I pray that you would bless the offering, bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Good evening, everybody. We're so excited to be with you tonight. And today was a little bit of a special day. Today is Valentine's Day, a day that is based on love. But we are told in 1 John 4.10 that we love because of He first loved us. He gave us the pattern for love, the example for love. And though we may give gifts to people we loved on this day, Christ offers us a gift each and every day. And that is because he loved us so much that he died on the cross to save us from our sins. We're told this in John 3, 16. And so if it were not for this love, we could never be saved. We wouldn't have something to sing about. But because of this great love, we can celebrate today and every day. And we have a reason to sing. And so please stand and sing with us, Love Lifted Me.
4: I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply sane within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despairing cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All oh, my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cleave. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving, service too, to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry ways. He's the master of the sea, Velocity he will obey. He's your savior, wants to be your slave today. today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help.
3: Love lifted me. How many of you guys are thankful for that love tonight? Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
5: Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What I love about this text, uh, a text that to many of us might be very familiar, is how it shares two truths. One truth is, is a truth that I think we could all agree with. And that is that in this life, uh, there's a lot of different experiences that we experience, right? And some of them are, are wonderful, excellent, uh, an opportunity to rest and to drink and to eat. And other opportunities are, are less enjoyable to say the least. But the psalmist doesn't write that that he gets through these opportunities or he's blessed in these opportunities simply because he is given the opportunity to live them. He says that he is blessed because he has a shepherd who is with him along the way. I love this passage because it reveals to us two truths. One is that we live a life that is full of ups and it is full of downs. And it's interesting, as you read the Psalms, the Psalms do not hold back from presenting life as it is. There are some Psalms of rejoicing, and there are some Psalms of remorse. There are some Psalms of celebration, and there are some Psalms of sorrow. And in our lives, there are a number of different situations that we can find ourselves in. What I love about this psalm is, is the one way it speaks very truthfully about our present situation that we all experience. The psalmist also closes in a way that's kind of surprising. I would say that the psalmist speaks experientially in the beginning of the psalm, right? He's talking about life as, as he has lived it and life as, as we live it. But then he closes with a very interesting statement. He says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." He jumps and he talks about something that that based on my understanding, he couldn't have possibly experienced. David did not write this psalm while sitting with his heavenly father. And yet he said with confidence, That he knew that not only was his shepherd good enough to guide him in this life, that he had a confidence that his shepherd was guiding him towards eternal life. And I don't know to what degree he knew specifically what this looks like, but for us as Christians, we know what it looks like. Jesus said that the shepherd came to lay down his life for his sheep. And that he did. He laid down his life, a life that he lived perfectly. He took a death that he did not deserve, so that we, although we live very imperfect lives, do not have to face the eternal death that we do deserve. And so I love the Psalms, and I love Psalm 23. Why? Because they speak experientially to to what we all know to be true. This life's not going to be easy, but praise the Lord that David had a shepherd who was with him each and every step along the way. My encouragement to you is, is your life is not easy. We could all share about even things that have happened this week. But there is a shepherd, and his name is Jesus, and he wants to be with you through it. Will you be his sheep? But then also, David recognized that this life This life is not all there is to my existence. There's something that is coming in the future. And he says that I'm trusting in my shepherd, that he's got a plan for me in that future. And for us, that is the same. Our shepherd has secured for us homes in heaven. But the question is, is are we his sheep? The team's going to come on up, and the last thing that I love about this psalm is that like all the psalms, uh, many of them were, were put to music in their original context and sang. And so while we do not know the exact arrangement that accompanied this psalm, uh, what the team is going to do is, is through spoken word and through sign language, they're going to sing this psalm. And here's what I love about the psalms as they are. The psalms aren't just text for us to read and say, yeah, you know, that's good, that's true. That's true. The the Psalms are texts that we are supposed to meditate on, pray over, and sing back to God. And here's what I want to encourage you with. As the team sings, don't just be caught up in, in the melody. Be enraptured by the words that David wrote describing his good shepherd. And know this, that Jesus wants to be your good shepherd as well. Let us celebrate, let us sing, let us really contemplate the goodness of our shepherd.
3: was asked to share for our next song so, Revelations 19:1. and after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. We will not just proclaim Alleluia alone but we will sing with a multitude for all eternity. Please worship with us in your hearts as we sing.
1: The pain is gone.
6: Amen. You may be seated tonight, and at this time we're going to dismiss the team and the children and the teenagers. And so if you have children here tonight that are ages 4 through 5th grade, they are dismissed to Children's Club. And then ages 6 through 12th grade are dismissed over to our youth ministry tonight. And the team is very excited about talking to your children and teenagers with God's Word this evening. I want to invite you as they're making that transition to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 10 this evening. Luke chapter 10.
1: And we'll give them a few moments to
6: to head out and you to find your place. Luke chapter 10 tonight. I've been up here in the pew wrestling between literally six messages. I've made it up to six. And we're going to land here and just praying for God's word not to return void. I, I was really wrestling this evening about the direction and just been sitting here praying about it and Obviously, when you're an evangelist and you preach different messages all the time, you, can, you have the luxury of running through six or seven messages and all the way up to the last minute. And a lot of times I know that day, sometimes I wrestle with it. And so I decided to land here and pray that God's Word lands where it needs to land in each of our hearts and lives tonight because He knows where all of us are this evening. In fact, I want to suggest this this evening. There's three kinds of people that walk into this room tonight, this Valentine's Day. The Bible says, in fact, everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, there's three kinds of people. You'll run into three kinds of people at Walmart. You'll run into three kinds of people wherever you go, including church. There's the lost, there's the complacent, and there's the faithful. There's the lost, the complacent, and the faithful. The Bible says that we're all born lost, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all born lost. Well, you say, what does that term mean? It means lost without Christ. We're born enmity with God because of our sin, which separates us from God. God is holy, we are sinful, and we're in need of a Savior. So tonight, you may have never repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and if you haven't, the Bible says you're still lost in your sin and without hope in this world. Well, tonight, you don't have to leave here that way. Tonight, you can call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So tonight, we pray that for you if you're lost. But you may have walked in here tonight and you're a Christian. You remember when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but tonight you find yourself that though you're a Christian, and though you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, you find yourself complacent, apathetic cynical, mediocre in your walk with Christ, backslidden. And we've all found ourselves at those kind of stages of the Christian life. In fact, Jesus, in talking to the churches there in Revelation, He told the church at Ephesus, He said, you got a lot of good things going on for you. you got a great doctrinal statement. You call out what's right. You call out what's wrong. You're faithful. But I have this against you. You have left your first love the Lord Jesus. In other words, you've grown complacent. You're apathetic. You're mediocre. got a question for you tonight. You may be saved, but are you just going through the motion? You may be saved, but you've got sin in your life that's clogging the pipes of spiritual vitality. In fact, my son was telling me this afternoon on the phone, he said, Dad, my pastor said something really interesting this past Sunday. He said, I don't want to be the blood clot to revival. And maybe tonight you've allowed some sinful blood clots in your life gossip, slander, jealousy, a cynical spirit, backbiting, secret sin that has clogged the spiritual vitality in your life. You've grown complacent. And tonight you want to get that right with the Lord. There's a third class of people that walked into the room tonight, and that's the faithful. You say, who are the faithful? The faithful are those who've trusted in Jesus Christ. They're indwelt by the Spirit of God, but they're also filled with the Spirit. They're walking in the Christ life. They're walking in the Spirit. They're raising the white flag of surrender all throughout the day to the Lord Jesus, setting Him apart as Lord, and there's nothing between them and the Lord Jesus. And the moment something does come between them and the Lord Jesus, they get it right. They're the faithful filled with the Spirit, and they're fruitful because the Holy Spirit is allowed to live His life in and through them. Now, the Bible says this, and Paul tells this to the church at Corinth, there are those three kinds of people on planet Earth. No matter what country you're in, no matter what story you're in, no matter what workplace you're in, no matter what church you're in, those three kinds of people fill every room. The lost, the complacent, the faithful. Tonight, God has a special call to all three kinds of those people as they filled up this room this evening to what we must do next. Tonight, I want to ask you, do you love your community? I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 10. Today, as we think about Valentine's Day and we think about this love uh, factor that God has given us, God is love, and we think about this concept of love, tonight we're going to see love show up in our passage. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. And he tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I'm lost. I need to be saved from my sin. I need God. I want to go to heaven when I die, and I need new life. And Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? In other words, hey, Jewish lawyer, you know the Old Testament. What does the Bible say? And this Jewish lawyer answering said, Well, the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That's the great commandment. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered rightly, Do this, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, Hey, who's my neighbor? Now, I want to run something by you real quick. This Jewish lawyer is following the religion that most Americans follow. It's the good old boy religion. It's the, I wear my hat, and on my hat it says God, faith, and country, or whatever, God, family, country. I'm a good old boy. In other words... I do good things. I've earned my own righteous standing with God. I've created my own moral standard and I keep it and God owes me. And the reason I'm going to heaven when I die is because I deserve it. That's what most Americans believe. In fact, I would consider this if you drive three minutes down the road and Go to the rink in Georgia Walmart. If you were to stand out in front of Walmart tonight and you were to interview 10 people and say, are you going to heaven when you die? I would bet, especially down here in the deep Bible belt of the South, that eight out of 10 people would say, yes, I am going to heaven. And then if you were to ask them, why are you going to heaven? I bet six out of those eight that say they're going to heaven would say, because I'm a pretty good person. How many of you think that was probably true? Yeah. That's the religion, especially in the Bible Belt. I'm a pretty good person, and God owes me heaven. Well, that's what this Jewish lawyer said. This Jewish lawyer said, hey, I'm a pretty good guy. How do I have eternal life? Because I want to be my own savior. You say, well, I didn't see him say that. Well, he did. He looked at Jesus and said, how do I get heaven? How do I get eternal life? How do I get right with God? How can I be saved from my sin? And Jesus said to him, what does the Bible say? And the guy said, the first commandment. The first and great commandment of which all commandments fall under. The great commandment and the second commandment is love God, love others. Every commandment God gives us falls under the umbrella of those two. Thou shalt not steal. All these things, they fall under those two umbrellas. And what is amazing is, is Jesus looked at him and said, so you believe that loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind will get you to heaven? And basically this Jewish lawyer says, yeah. And then Jesus says, well, I got one more for you. What else does the Bible say? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the lawyer says, by the way, who's my neighbor? Now, I want to stop that guy and say, before you even move on to the neighbor, do you honestly think you've loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because that's what the guy just did. He like passed by that one like he he was good to go on that. I want to pull him over to the side and say, man, how old are you? Let's just pretend he's 30 years old. You've been on this planet for 30 years and you have loved God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength your whole life? No, you haven't. You're blind to your own sin. You're self-righteous. You should be falling down on your knees right now saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Will you save me? But that's not what he did. He actually thought... He had pulled that one off, but he knew he had a problem. Jesus threw out one more requirement. you got to love people the way God loves them. He knew he didn't. He said, hey, by the way, who's my neighbor? He knew he loved some people, but he knew there was a whole other group of people he didn't care a thing about. Hey, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story. Well, you know the story well. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, and tonight we see in it the love of God and what it looks like to love people the way God calls us, to love them. Notice what he says in verse 30. Jesus answering and said, let me tell you a story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about a seven to eight mile trip. It's a very dangerous trip. There were a lot of rocks, and robbers would hide behind the rocks waiting to Uh, steal things from people and to to hijack them and all these different things. And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest, a senior pastor, so to speak, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, we're going to call him a youth pastor, when he was at the place, he came and looked on him, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, here's what happened. Jesus says, let me tell you a story. This Jewish guy is going down the road, and all of a sudden, some guys rob him, and they beat him until he's half dead. Basically, you see this about every day on Fox News, all right? Uh, Maybe you pull up the news and there's all these bad news reports. Well, here's a bad news report. They beat the guy and they throw him in the ditch. And if someone doesn't tend to his wounds, he's going to die. Well, a senior pastor who's been to Bible college, been to seminary, knows all sorts of things about the Bible and teaches the Bible, he's on his way down the road and he looks over and goes, Oh, well, there's one of my Jewish brethren. Wow. He got a. He got a sucker punch and a wound and it looks like somebody cut him up and wow, it looks like it's been a bad day for him. Man, if somebody doesn't do something for that guy, he's going to die. But I got to keep on rolling because I got to get to Jerusalem where the temple is. I got to start church on time and tell people how to love God and love others. So he kept on walking. Well, then a Levite came by. He's like an associate pastor. He's a religious guy. He also knows the law. And he comes walking down and he looks over and goes, my, oh, my, there's one of my Jewish brethren. Man, it's been a bad day for him. wonder what happened. Wow, he sure needs help, but I don't have time. I got to get to Jerusalem. I got to get to church on time because if I don't, the senior pastor, the priest, he's going to fire me. And we got to get there and we got to sing a bunch of songs and tell people how to love God and love others. And he keeps on walking. But then, all of a sudden, a Samaritan comes down the road. Now, I want you to understand, this is where it gets really interesting, because the guy in the ditch is most likely a Jew. Now, Jews in Jesus' day considered Gentiles dogs. We were unclean. In fact, tonight, if you are not a Jew by birth, and instead you're a Gentile, which means not a Jew, would you raise your hand? All right, we got a bunch of dogs at Rinkin Baptist Temple tonight because that's what the Jews considered us in Jesus' day because the Gentiles represented a lost people that worshiped all sorts of different gods. And so the Jews would look at us and say, you're like dogs, you're unclean. But there was a group of people that the Jews hated worse than Gentiles and it was Samaritans. For Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile, And the Jews didn't consider them dogs. The Jews considered them scum of the earth. Now, put that in perspective. A Samaritan's walking down the road. He, the Samaritan, is considered scum of the earth by the guy dying in the ditch. They're enemies. And the Samaritan, who probably was spat on the day before by a Jewish guy like him, Looks over and says, hmm, he's gonna die. And then something happened to the Samaritan that did not happen to the senior pastor or the youth pastor. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. There's three things I want to ask you tonight to test your love on whether or not you have God's love for your community of Rinkin, Georgia. Here's the first one: love. Now, as soon as I say that, you say, now wait a second, is love always a feeling? No, love is a choice. If you wait to feel love, you may never love. We can't live by feelings, we live by faith. However, that doesn't mean that love should be absent of feelings. Notice what happened here. He looks over and all of a sudden, something happened within his heart that did not happen in the religious leaders. The religious leaders had a cold, calloused, self-righteous heart. But the Samaritan's heart was soft. And when he looked over, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. And the Greek word there literally means moved in the bowels. Moved in the gut. In the deepest part of him, he was gripped. It's the same word used for Jesus when the Bible says that Jesus looked out on us and the Bible says we were like sheep scattered without a shepherd and Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved in the gut for us. Aren't you glad on this Valentine's Day that God did not just say that he loved us, he proved he loved us, he showed it. You know, there's a lot of people that throw out that word love. Hey, I love you. But they don't mean it. <laughs> I remember in middle school, how many of us passed a letter, you know, now they text one another, but, you know, none of us had any of that when we were in middle school. We did it the old-fashioned way. We pulled out a piece of notebook paper, we eloquently wrote a letter, and we put a box, do you love me, check yes or no. And there may have been many times I've checked the box, yes, I love you, and next week I wasn't even talking to the person because we broke up. God didn't just say he loved us. They weren't empty words. The Bible says, but God, but God, but God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No greater love hath anyone than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. God loves us, and he proved it.
1: Well, this Samaritan is moved with compassion.
6: Love feels. I think about the psalmist who put it this way, rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep God's law. Can I ask you something tonight, brethren? When was the last time you wept over the lost? And You know, over the past few years, our country has gotten more divided than ever, and we understand there's many reasons for that. There's Ideological differences, there's uh, truth and falsehood, there's all sorts of things going on in our day that are quite incredible to watch. But I will say this I watch the church many times think that we're going to win our community by blasting everybody on Facebook. I have never led anyone to Christ yet by blasting them on Facebook. But I have been able to lead a lot of people to Christ by getting down on my hands and knees and washing their feet and sharing with them the love of Jesus. I watched it happen today. Today, we uh, it was Valentine's Day, and we got the team together, and, and Valerie and I said, hey, we want to do something special for you real quick. We want to take you out and just get you coffee and get you a little treat and spend some time with you. And so we took them over here to Starbucks. And this happens about every week, anywhere we go. Uh, God will prompt a team member or two to start sharing the gospel with somebody. And we were there in Starbucks. And, you now, first of all, I'm trying to look around and make sure that anyone we invited from Starbucks isn't here, and I don't see anybody, but if you are, we love you. And I don't know your name, so I can't embarrass you. But I'm panning the audience, all right. But we walked into Starbucks, and I'll be quite honest with you. there are like three people right here in your Starbucks. But we walked in with twenty, and they all about had a heart attack. I mean, they were they were they were like really ruffled, and 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 so uh, I walked over to the guy behind the counter, and I said, "Hey, man," I said, "No rush. I'll take your time. Hurry. We're just bringing them in for coffee. Take your time. In fact, if you need to put people in front of us, feel free to do that." kind of getting nervous, and he's radioing people. They're calling in the reserves. And and, 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 I, and so um, they got us through the line. They actually got us through the line pretty quickly. And I'm sitting there watching team members get their coffee, and I'm calling out different coffees as they were coming out. And who got this? Who got that? And I look over, Julia and Shannon, sitting there talking with a young lady there in the corner Starbucks. And car box. And, I, and I'll be quite honest, he definitely didn't look like she. Church. She didn't dress that way. She didn't look that way. She looked
1: quite the opposite. They sat there and
6: talked to her for 45 minutes. In fact, we waited for a long time. We were going to leave Starbucks way before, but there was no way we were going to interrupt that conversation. They sat there, and they loved on her. They answered her questions. They met her at the point of where she was. In fact, they looked at her, and I don't know how they got the conversation started, but they just began to talk to her, and she flat out told them this was her phrase. She goes, I am a pagan. That was her words. She goes, I am a pagan. Smiled and loved on her. Started answering questions. Told him they were Christians. He had questions for 45 minutes. She sat there, hung on every word they said. They got to share the entire gospel.
1: But you know what happened in their hearts first before they ever went over? Something gripped them. Their hearts are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. See, God loves that woman. God's invited us to join Him in His
6: work of bringing a world to Himself through the gospel. Now, I would love to tell you that the woman caught on Jesus favor right there in Starbucks. That didn't happen today. Sometimes it does happen, but it didn't happen. We got on the bus rejoicing because... We're going to leave that between that girl and God. We don't save people, we just share the good news. That's success. We got on the bus and they were just spinning from ear to ear. Love
1: kills. Ash.
6: I know we'll forget, years ago, I was at a conference. I was actually talking to someone here and they went to the same conference I was at over in Goshen, Virginia. In Goshen, Virginia, there's only about a population of 300 people. It's up above Roanoke, Lexington, Virginia. About 800 men gathered together at this Young Life Christian camp for preaching and prayer, and our church would go every year. And I know we'll forget one year, they had a pastor come up to speak, and he had a stuttering problem. And they said, hey, this is Pastor so-and-so, and they were telling a little bit about him, and they said, now listen, he stutters and, and all these kind of things, so you need to listen carefully as he shares. But they said, the greater thing that we want you to know about Pastor Glendie is that for 15 years, he has led a person to Christ every day. Now, this was in 2008, and um, they said it started in 1993. So that it had been about 15 years at that time. And I'm sitting there in the back of the audience, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and I'm sitting there, and I was with a bunch of men from my church. And I'm like, there's no way. There is no way that guy for 15 years led a soul a day to Christ. I'm like, there's just no way. So I was being truly cynical. He comes up and he stands behind the pulpit and he starts stuttering and stammering and you could barely understand him. And I was having to listen carefully to what he was saying because his stuttering was, was pretty severe. And, and i never forget, he looked out at it, all of us and he said, I know what all you were thinking. That's the way he talked. And I'm sitting there going, I hope you don't know what I'm thinking. He said, everywhere I go and share my testimony, I get some great Christian critics. I have Christians walk up and tell me, you've got a bunch of false professions. How do you know those people got saved? Easy believism. He goes, I've been called everything into the book. He said, but here's my question for you. We'll let God be the judge, but what have you been doing? All of a sudden, the room got quiet. He said, what happened was, was 15 years ago, I was meeting with God in my quiet time with an open Bible, and the Holy Spirit of God, by the Word of God, so moved within my heart a love for lost people that I cried out and I said, God, would you allow me to share the gospel one time a day to at least one person? And Lord, not only do I want to share the gospel once a day, to an individual, and you bring me into their path. I want to see them call on you, and they get saved. And I'm sitting there going, I have never heard of such a thing in my life. This is incredible. And he looked at us, and he said, and God hasn't missed a day in 15. Well, then, I mean, I was such a Pharisee that day. Man. I'm sitting there going, well, we're up here in Goshen, Virginia. There's nothing but a bunch of rocks. I mean, we are in the middle of nowhere. We're on this camp with 800 Christian men worshiping, hearing, preaching, praying. I'm like, I wonder who you're going to find today. And about that time, he goes, and I bet some of you are wondering. I bet some of you are wondering if I've had the opportunity today. And he said, yes, I have. He said, I got up this morning early, drove 45 minutes south to Lexington, Virginia, went into the Walmart, and I got some good news for you. There's two more on their way to heaven.
1: And I'm like, no kidding. You know, I've never met anyone like that before. That was a man who had been gripped with the love of God, the lost. My Bible tells me it's not God's will that any that
6: all should come to repentance. Love. Here's the second thing Jesus shows us tonight. Love doesn't just feel, love proves itself by doing. Love does. Look what happened next. So the Samaritan had compassion on him, but it didn't stop with a mere feeling. He was gripped in the heart, and that must move him to action. Love does. So in verse 34, he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, and there he took care of him. What I find so amazing here, and this is just a very simple message, is that he didn't just come forward at an invitation and cry a little bit at an altar and go, wow, God just really spoke to my heart today. He moved from the altar into the land of obedience. You know what revival is? It's obedience. Revival is when you and I are allowing the Spirit of God to have His complete sway and control in us, that our heartbeat is, I am Thine, O Lord. I am yours. I surrender all, and I keep surrendering all. Now use me. I'll go where you go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll feel what you want me to feel. I'll think what you want me to think. Lord, I'm yours.
1: That's revival.
6: And this man was moved in the gut, and then he stepped out and obeyed. Only when you obey do you experience God obedience leads to experiencing God. All throughout the Bible, if God's people wanted to see more of God, they had to obey. They could not stay where they are, and they could not remain just hearers of the Word. You remember what James tells us? James says, watch out, brethren. He's talking to New Testament church. Watch out, church folks. You can be deceived every Sunday into thinking that, it, that all you had to do was hear the sermon but if you walk out the doors and you do nothing with it, you are deceived. I had not had time to write it yet, but I want to write a sermon entitled "America: The American Church Great Deception. We live in a day, in, in, especially in the Bible Belt, where we go to church and we literally think it's a spectator sport. We come in, we sit, we listen, we sing, we watch pastor do his thing, we watch everybody else do their thing, then we go home at lunch and we criticize the stuff that we don't like as if we were at a football game. This is not a spectator sport. It's the living church. And everybody's a participant. Love does. God never intended for us just to hear and to do nothing. Just like the good Samaritan. He couldn't just be moved in the gut and go, Oh, man, I want to do something for that guy and keep walking. He had to move into obedience. I want to suggest something to you tonight. There may be marriage problems in this room. There may be all sorts of problems in this room tonight. And You say, man, I'm never going to get over my problem. You could get over your problem tonight. Obey. By the grace of God, love does. I never forget years ago, someone came to me and they said, have you ever heard of the famous magician illusionist in Las Vegas? He's not David Copperfield, but it's another guy. His name is Penn Jillette. And I'm like, no, I don't keep up with all this stuff. And they're like, you ought to go on his YouTube channel and, and listen to him. And so I looked the guy up. He's worth over $400 million. I mean, thousands and thousands of people came to his show. He's still an active entertainer right now. But they said, there's something you need to know about Penn Jillette. They said, he is a well-known atheist. And they said, the other night, I was watching something online And he came out with a video to his thousands of followers and told them about something that happened to him at one of his shows. They said, Pastor Mark, you've got to watch this. So I went home and I watched it. And sure enough, this atheist, this famous entertainer gets online and he's telling all of his followers that the other night when he finished his show, hundreds of people are standing in line wanting his autograph and that was normal. So he's sitting there signing autographs and getting pictures made and all these things, talking to people. And he noticed out of the corner of his eye that while he was doing it, there was a man standing up against the wall with a little green Bible. And the man just stood there and waited and waited and waited, and he waited for everybody to come through. And then this older gentleman walked up, and he looked at Penn Jillette and he said, sir, thank you so much for the show tonight. He said, my family came. We had such a great time. He said, you are really gifted at what you do. He said, it was a great show. He said, but before I leave, he said, I would like to give something to you. He said, I'm a Christian and I'm also a Gideon. I'm a Christian businessman. And he said, I love to give out these little Bibles, these little New Testaments, because I believe this is God's word." And he said, years ago, Jesus Christ changed my entire life. And he said, I understand that you're an atheist and you don't believe in God and more or less Jesus. He said, I understand that. He said, but sir, if you would be so kind and gracious to receive my gift, I would love to give it to you. And inside this little Bible, I've shown you every verse that will point you to how you could be saved from your sin and have a relationship with God. Gillette's telling this story, and all of a sudden he begins to cry. And he says this to his YouTube audience. He said, I want all of y'all to know something. He said, I'm still an atheist. And he said, I'm not planning on becoming a Christian because I think that's just a bunch of junk. And then as the tears began to roll down his face, he said, but I want to tell you something, because there was something different about that fellow. And all of a sudden, he got angry. And I'll never forget what this atheist told the church. He said, by the way, he said, this isn't the first Christian that's ever come to one of my shows. He said, thousands of people have come to my shows. He said, it's been full of Christians He said, but here's what I'm angry about tonight. He said, that's the only Christian that's ever had the nerve to come up and tell me about their Jesus. And he said, and you know what makes me really mad? He said, I know there's a bunch of Bible-thumping, believing Christians out there that believe tonight that if I were to walk out of my show here in Las Vegas and get hit by a Mack truck, that I would die and split hell wide open. He said, but only
1: one of you have bothered to tell me what you believe is my cure. Then he said this, and I'll never forget it. This is
6: an atheist talking to the church. He said, How badly do you have to hate somebody not to tell them cure for eternity? I'm sitting there watching that video going, an atheist called out the church. Because you know what even an atheist knows? An atheist who does not have the love of God in them, because we're get we we're filled with the love of God when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. God is love, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's an atheist who knows very little about the love of God, but he knew this, love doesn't just talk, love does. You know, we sing those old hymns. They will know that we're Christians by our love. Let me just say something real quick about the postmodern culture that we find ourselves in. The people out in this town, even though we're in the Bible Belt and the deep south of Georgia, which my wife and I have loved it this week, I heard my wife today go, I love Georgia. You know that old song, Georgia on my mind? She's going to have Georgia on her mind for weeks to come as we leave you. But even down in Bible Belt, Georgia, the lost in this community, they don't care what we sing about here on Sundays. They don't care about the message that we're proclaiming on Sundays. They don't even care what we're doing in here on Sundays. But they won't care until they know how much we care.
1: It's like someone once said, nobody cares what you know until
6: they know how much you care. Even the world knows. Love does. I remember one time when I was a pastor, I had to stop and ask myself at at two of the churches that I pastored if our church shut down tomorrow, would the community even recognize it? Would they care? Would they even be burdened going, wow, wait a second? I'm not a Christian, but I've seen those people. They love God, they love us. Would your community be moved if your church shut down tomorrow? Love does. Here's the third thing Jesus shows us tonight in the passage as we bring things to a close, and that is love cost. Look with me, verse 35. And on the next day, on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, it was a few days' wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper, or the host, and he said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Jesus then said, Which now these three thinkest thou was neighbour to him that fell among the thieves? He said, He that showed mercy on him. Then, in, then Jesus said unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Love costs. Love feels. Love does. But then it costs. What I think is incredible is that this guy, who was considered scum of the earth by the guy that he put on his donkey, he not only gets up close and personal with the guy, he not only bandages him, he not only takes care of his wounds, he not only gets dirty, but he takes the guy to a hotel, he takes care of him overnight, he has to go on to where he's got to go, but then he pulls money out of his pocket and says, I am responsible to take care of this guy, and when I come back through, if I owe you more, I'm good for it. This is love. It costs. Can I run something by it? You know what I'm finding in America? Even though I know we're losing freedoms and even though I know America has changed so much and we've got all sorts of different things uh, stirring up and persecutions and things in the workplace and things are getting a little harder in light of standing up for Christian values, we still live in a very free country. And today, those two girls were free right in the middle of Starbucks to share the whole gospel. Nobody went to prison today? They didn't even get mocked, which I know that's real possible. But you know what I'm finding? Many times we're not willing to even pay the cost of discomfort to share the gospel. In all the churches I've pastored, the greatest threat we've ever had to sharing the gospel was just a bunch of us feeling uncomfortable. You know, I said this on Sunday, door-to-door visitation is in the bulletin every week, and, and hardly no one ever comes. Why? Well, they can blame it on all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, I'll tell you why they don't come. They're not been gripped by the love of God for their community. And number two, they don't want to be made to feel uncomfortable. The American church, we have replaced Christ for comfort. I hear it all the time. Well, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. That kind of goes back to the story that I told you Sunday morning about those people walking into the church I pastored and making some visitors get up out of their seat. You know why they made them get up out of their seat? Because they felt comfortable right there in their seat. It's all about comfort. In fact, one of you walked up to me Sunday night and said, Get up, you're in my
1: True story. That actually happened, but we kind of laughed about it.
6: Years ago at a church I pastored, I saw love cost in a way that really resonates with what we see here in the passage. A lady named Judy came to me, and God was working in our church, and people were getting saved, and there was kind of a revival going on. I've never seen anything like it since in this particular church. Judy came to me one day, and she said, Pastor Mark, our town was only 5,000 people, small little town, Luray, Virginia. She came to me and she said, Pastor Mark, she goes, every time I walk into our one CVS, she goes, I am gripped for the ladies that work in there. In other words, love feels. She goes, Mark, I can't explain it. She said, every time I walk into the CVS, I'll go in to get my prescription or I'll go in to get something, and I look at the ladies who have a CVS uniform on, and she goes, I am just gripped for them. i got such a burden for them, like I can't get them off my mind. By the way, I would say this as you spend time with God and you're walking with God, you don't have to wait long. When you get right with God, He'll put His burden on your heart for you. I'm going to say that one more time. When you get right with God and you're walking with God and you're being filled with the Spirit, you don't have to wait long. He'll put a burden on your heart that He wants you to fulfill to see people come to know Him. And she had that burden. And she came to me, she goes, Pastor Mark, I'm so burdened for these ladies. And, and, she, and I said, well, Judy, what do you know about them? She goes, well, none of them are Christians. She said, there's eight of them. None of them are Christians. One of them is an atheist and one of them is a lesbian. I said, okay. I said, well, what do you want to do? She goes, I've got to pray about it. And She goes, God wants me to get the gospel to them. Will you pray with me? I said, sure. So I prayed with her. Two weeks later, she comes back to me. She goes, Pastor Mark, I know what God wants me to do. I said, what are you going to do, Judy? Now, Judy was maybe, I don't know, Judy's maybe in her late 60s at the time, maybe 70. She goes, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. She goes, I'm going to have a Bible study for him in my house. Okay. I said, so how are you going to pull that off? She goes, I'm going to make up an invitation. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to walk into CVS. I'm going to invite them all to my house. I'm going to give them an invitation. I'm going to tell them what time to be there, and I'm going to give them food, and we're going to do an eight-week Bible study. Now, I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not normally a cynic. Like, normally, I get really excited about those things, but everything inside of me wanted to look at her and say, that's not going to work. Like, I just don't see that flying. But I refrained. I said, all right, I'll be praying for you. I said, all right, you be praying. Oh, she goes, oh, I got one more question for you. She said... I need your permission for something. I said, what's that? She goes, I need to do it on Sunday nights at six o'clock when we're having church because that's the only time all the ladies are off. They have to work every night at CVS, but CVS closes at six o'clock on Sunday nights. She goes, can I miss church to do this? I said, well, you might as well. Everybody else does.
1: Monday morning came. She called me on the
6: phone at the church office. So Judy, how'd it go? Pastor Mark, you won't believe it. She said, six o'clock came, cars filled up my driveway, all eight ladies got out of the cars and walked into my house. I said, you gotta be kidding. You got a better attendance record than we've ever had at church on a Sunday night. She said, no, Pastor Mark, there's something interesting. She goes, there's one lady. She was kind of like the boss. She was in charge, and they didn't do anything unless she gave them permission. I said, really? I said, what was her name? And I don't remember what it was, so I just call her Boss Lady. I hope she never watches the live streams. She said, Boss Lady got out of the car. All seven looked at her. That She gave them permission. They walked up my sidewalk, looked me straight in the eye at my front door, said, where do you want us to go? She said, Well, you can go in my living room. She said, Pastor Mark, they walked right in my living room. They all sat on one side of the living room. I sat on the other with another lady from our church. They crossed their arms and just stared at me. I was like, wow. I said, What'd you do next? Because we did the Bible study. I said, then what happened? Because they didn't say a thing. Because it was really
1: awkward. But I, I bet. I said, then what happened? Because then I fed them. And they left. Because you better be praying. I don't know if anybody's coming back next week.
6: Next Sunday night came, 100% attendance. And they did that every Sunday.
1: On the fourth week,
6: Boss Lady decided to talk. In the middle of the Bible study, she used a profanity and looked at Judy and said, why are you doing this for us? And Judy, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at her and said, because Jesus Christ, several decades ago, on the evening of my life, and He has given me love, I love you. The false lady said, hmm, They ate her food and left. On the sixth or seventh night, Judy looked at him and said, now ladies, we're going to have to end here in about a week. Because this Bible study is only for eight weeks. That Pastor Mark, you're not going to believe it. They all started crying. And all of a sudden, boss lady looked up at her and said, you can't stop doing this. said, nobody's ever taught us about it. Then another lady looked at her and said, yeah, you can't stop doing this. She said, The other day I was at the hair salon right next to the CVS, and I was telling them what you were doing for us, and all the ladies in there want you to do a Bible study for them, too. I'm sitting here listening to this going. Boss lady, on the following Sunday, she came to church and brought her husband. I found out why she's the boss lady. I'm up on the stage and I see her come in and Judy played, played our piano and Judy looks over at me and she's grinning in her ear. She's going, sleep. and I look down and she came marching in, her husband right behind her and she fa- figured out what pew they were going to sit in and she told him where to sit. He sat down. He's scared to death, didn't say a word. She sat down. I was like, man, a lie, poor fella.
1: Got to share the gospel. With Judy had every American comfortable reason not to do. But she pushed through being uncomfortable. Because love costs. And I'll tell you this. Judy wouldn't take back any of that for anything. One day when she gets to heaven.
6: You know, I wonder if one day when I get to heaven and I see people from every tribe, tongue, and nation redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, I just wonder if Jesus is going to look over at me and go, Hey, Mark. Yes, Lord. You got in on some of that. There's some people here that you shared the
1: gospel with, and I saved them. Lord, I see them.
6: Mark, there's some people you traveled around with these young people with, and they got saved. Yep, I see I see the 18 from two weeks ago. I see the 13.
1: Pretty exciting, isn't it, Mark? Bet you wish now you would have got in on one. Here's one thing you can't do in heaven when lost people Christ. It'll be too late then. Time. Right. Love feels. Love does. Love costs. Do you love? Love of God. You bow your head and close your eyes with me. Valerie's going to come and just play
6: quietly and. I'm going to invite you to do something different tonight. Pastor told me a couple days ago I I could lead the invitation and and I, I, I think he'll be okay with this. But what I would like to do
1: as Valerie plays tonight,
6: if you feel so led, I'd invite you to come up front. Either kneel where you are, pray where you are, or come up front. Tonight,
1: ask God to do two things in your life. One,
6: give you His love. And number two, bring to Him tonight the lost people that He's put on your heart that He wants to use you to share Jesus
1: with. I'm going to invite you to do just that. Ask Him for His love and who He would have you share Jesus with. You feel free to move as God leads you.
6: Pastor's gonna come and close us. I'll tell you this as some are continuing to pray, and you feel free to take your time. I think about one of our team members last year, her name was Sarah. She's a quiet girl and a sweet girl, and started seeing God save people as we traveled last year, and she would never seen so many people get saved. Got excited about it. And right before our summer camp last year, we were all in a big room full of people and we were praying for our summer camp ministry there at our headquarters. And after we got done praying, Sarah said, can I say something? I said, sure, Sarah. She goes, and out loud in front of everybody unashamed, she said, I'm praying for 100 souls to get saved this summer. Everybody kind of looked at her and said, wow, that's a big number. Within two weeks, we saw an outpouring that we had never, ever seen at our camp. Forty kids got saved the first week. Thirty kids got saved the second. And I wish you could have seen Sarah's face by the third or fourth week when that hundredth soul came into Christ. And I wish you could have seen Sarah's face at the end of the eight weeks when the hundred and thirty-eighth young person called on Jesus to save them. Thirty years, our summer camp, ever, ever, ever.
1: But Sarah, filled with the love of God,
6: started believing God for souls. That's such an encouragement to me. To love people on your knees. Pray for God to work. Pray for God to use you. Be willing for God to use you. And there's one prayer request that I've seen that God will make sure He takes care of in your life every time you pray it. And it goes like this. Lord, today would you give me somebody to share Jesus with? God will take care of that every time.
1: Pastor, would you come and close?
2: Wow, what a tremendous message uh, on love and uh, what we should be doing. I know it gripped my heart. I know it gripped yours as well. And um, thank you, Brother Mark, for such a great message and being willing to be used, uh, used by God. Uh, to speak to our hearts. Let's
7: pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you just so thankful uh, for your goodness in our lives or thank you for your love uh, that makes a difference. Thank you that your earthly mission we're moved. And I pray that you'd help us to love with the love of God. Help us to love and move moved With compassion. Help relationships to be repaired. I pray that you'd help us to be a better witness, a better prayer warrior. Use us not just here, but help us to be doers of the
1: word in our homes, in our workplace, and in our community. Help us to see the opportunity and fill us. And use us
7: in a mighty way. Lord, thank you for those that are here tonight. I know there are different burdens and different situations and different circumstances that are represented tonight. But we know that you're bigger than those circumstances. We know that you can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Help us tonight not to leave this place the same as we came in. Change us. If there's one here in our midst tonight that knows not Jesus Christ as his or her Savior, I pray that tonight that they'd get that settled. They come to know you as their personal. Help us as we... Leave this place, keep us safe, watch over us, bring us back tomorrow night, Lord, for another great night, worshiping,
2: praising your wonderful name. We love you and thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, if you signed up for the meal. 5.45 for the meal right over here in the um, fellowship hall. And then church services, 7 o'clock. See you then. God bless
7: you.